Welcome to Wear Who You Are, a podcast that takes the fear out of fashion and holds space for everyone to explore how to connect your authenticity with your personal style. I'm your host, Natalie Tincher, founder of BU Style, expert style strategist, and your enthusiastic friend and safe space of support. I believe that every person has a style and every style deserves a seat. With over a decade of experience working with hundreds of personal clients, I've learned a thing or two about how to help others have a healthy and holistic approach to navigating how to build a wardrobe that reflects who you are. So pull up your seat and let's get started. Do you love me so much in your ear you also want me in Rambox? Sign up for my newsletter for more thoughtful content and resources to help your style discovery. Visit www.bu.style to sign up or click the link below in the show notes to get notes from that delivered directly to you. Thanks for coming back to another Where Who You Are Wednesday. So today we have a discussion that I strongly believe in, and that is why I support independent brands. So we're going to pull back the curtain on the behind the scenes working of independent brands versus conglomerates and all that fun stuff. But before that, I'm going to answer a listener question that ties in perfectly to today's topic. That question comes from Ashley in California. Ashley asked, what do you look for in investment pieces outside of price? Now, that's a great question. So thank you for that. So we'll touch on some of this in today, and that is the fact that price these days is not always an indicator of quality like it historically was in the past. So that means, of course, as it is these days, we as consumers have to be more educated on what quality actually looks like. So to give you some direction, some things to look for are the fabric content, is it a natural fiber or synthetic, and where the item is produced and made. Also, check all of the trimmings on your garment, like the buttons and the zippers, to make sure that they're really solid and well-made. A lot of brands these days are cutting costs in those things, like the zippers, um, and a broken zipper is not cheap to replace in a garment. Also, check on the seams of the garment to make sure that they're sewn straight and lined up, and if there are patterns, make sure that the patterns line up at the seam and the patterns like, connect. Finally, check all the linings. If something should be lined, make sure that it is. That's another place that a lot of brands are cutting costs. So I hope that helps. If you have any style questions, anyone else, please slide into my DMs on Instagram at Natalie underscore Tincher and ask away. Hopefully I can answer them. Now on to our main event. As I said, it's a topic I have increasingly felt strongly about over the past few years. So first I'll start with a question to get you thinking about some things. So when you shop, do you shop your values? And what does that mean? Studies show that there has been a noticeable shift in recent years towards more conscious consumerism with a lot more people considering their values when making purchasing decisions. You may be one of them. So according to a number of surveys and studies, a significant portion of consumers today prioritize values such as sustainability, ethical practices, and social responsibility when they're shopping. For instance, a study conducted by Nielsen found that 73% of millennials are willing to pay extra for sustainable products. Another survey by Cone Communications said that 87% of consumers would purchase a product because a company advocated for an issue they care about. 
So that's a big increase, I think, than what we used to see. Additionally, the rise of independent apparel brands and the increased interest in supporting local businesses indicate a growing preference for values-aligned shopping. I love that. So many consumers seek out brands that align with their personal beliefs and support causes they care about, such as fair trade, environmental conservation, and social justice. I happen to be one of those consumers. So for a number of reasons, supporting independent brands and small businesses has become a really big piece of my shopping value system and also many of my personal clients as well. So today I'm going to share a little more about how brands work in the industry. I think this will help you see why I choose to support independent brands as much as possible. So first, let's talk about brand ownership. Now, did you know that most of the big brands are owned by a fashion conglomerate or group? They are not owned by the designers themselves. And there are only a handful of conglomerates that own a majority of the big fashion brands. So I'm going to let you in on the key players here. First one is LVMH. LVMH is the world's largest luxury goods conglomerate and owns brands like Louis Vuitton, Dior, Givenchy, Fendi, Marc Jacobs, and Sephora. So Bernard Arnault is the founder and CEO of LVMH. You may have heard of him. He was recently named the richest man in the entire world. Next brand is Caring. Caring is another prominent player. They own Gucci, Saint Laurent, Balenciaga, Alexander McQueen, Bottega Veneta, Puma. Then there's PVH Corp. They own and operate Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, Izod, Speedo, among others. And then Richemont own brands like Cartier, Montblanc, Dun- Montblanc Dunhill, Chloe, Alaya, uh, then Tapestry Inc. And they're the parent company of Coach, Kate Spade, and Stuart Weitzman. And then finally, Capri Holdings Limited. They own luxury fashion brands like Michael Kors, Versace, and Jimmy Choo. Okay, so what, you may ask? Well, when a brand is owned by a group, the brand or designer is no longer in control. So that affects how your money, if you purchase from them, is distributed. So I can make an entire episode on this, but I'm just going to touch on it quickly. So where does your money go if you purchase from a brand under a group? So of course, a portion of your money goes to manufacturing and production costs. And most of these groups have a large global supply chain and are pumping out large quantities. So this, of course, is not touching on the wages or working conditions of these factories. And I will note that many of these brands have been criticized for their poor conditions and low wages. But you'd have to do your research to find out which ones. It's certainly not all of them either. Another huge portion of the money goes to marketing and advertising. So these are the big billboards, the influencers nowadays, and these brands are more about advertising luxury um, of a lifestyle these days and less about advertising the products themselves. Have you noticed that, that they're really more like selling being part of the group and they're not so much touching on like why their handbag is, you know, luxury and what makes it luxury. They want you to buy into the brand as a whole. So you'll keep buying at any cost to stay part of the life that they're selling. So this goes way back to an episode I did earlier on inspiration versus aspiration. So check it out if you haven't listened to it. Finally, all of the components I just mentioned exist to drive profits, of course. But the profits to these companies that are owned by shareholders are typically reinvested in acquiring new brands, expanding their operations, or are distributed as as dividends to the shareholders. 
So it's really focused on driving profits for the shareholders. Now let's move on to independent brands. Independent brands are just that, independent. They are owned and operated independently. So when you buy from an independent brand, here's generally where your money goes. Of course, like everything, manufacturing and production costs. From my experience, independent brands often prioritize local or ethical manufacturing practices, which may involve working with smaller factories or artisans. When you buy their products, a significant portion of your money goes towards covering the cost of sourcing materials, production, labor, and quality control. For example, one French brand I love, ADN, chooses to produce all of her garments at a factory in France. So what does this mean? Well, the costs are higher. The cost of production is higher because France is a country that has very strict laws to protect its workers. So when you buy from ADN, you're investing in supporting fair wages and proper working conditions. Your money also goes toward brand development and growth. Independent brands heavily rely on the revenue from sales to invest in their brand development, marketing, and expansion. Your purchase supports their ability to reach a wider audience, improve their products, and of course, grow their business. So for example, it costs a lot to have a physical store. Many brands that want to can't afford that from the outset, even if they really desire it. So every sale they make helps them reach their goals and their dreams of maybe doing something like creating a store. So, you know, um, when you hear that every time you buy from a small brand, someone's doing a happy dance, this really is true. Also, your money goes towards supporting artisans and local communities. So many independent brands work closely with artisans, craftspeople, local communities, especially when it comes to maybe traditional or handmade techniques. So by buying from them, you contribute to sustaining these skills, supporting livelihoods, and preserving cultural heritage. So for example, we recently heard from Nyla Hassan, the designer of The Other, in a podcast episode. Again, check it out if you haven't listened. So she shares a lot of valuable real-life information on owning an independent brand. And one thing she discusses is working directly with artisans in India in her latest collection to create this really specific, cool tie-dye technique. And it had been around for centuries. So now I want to talk about the actual pricing and quality between conglomerate brands and independent brands. So let's jump back to our listener question and what we just discussed. We just learned that where where your money goes when you buy from independent versus conglomerate. Now I want to talk about the pricing and markups. So when an apparel item or accessory is made, there are a few elements of pricing that are fixed. They're fixed non-negotiable prices. Those include one, the cost of materials. So that's the cost of the fabrics, the trims, and other materials used in the garment that significantly impacts its price. So, of course, high-quality or specialty materials tend to be more expensive. The second fixed cost is labor and production costs. That's the labor involved in manufacturing the garment, including cutting, sewing, and finishing. The location of production can also impact costs, as we just discussed, as wages and production expenses differ from different countries. Third is the production volume. So economies of scale really come into play here when considering the production volume. Larger brands or conglomerates that produce clothing in large quantities usually benefit from the cost efficiencies and lower production costs. So that often can result in this more competitive pricing, like enter big brands like Gap or Zara. 
independent brands do often have more challenges here. So it's hard for them sometimes to find factories that will produce these smaller quantities. And this is usually a result then of a higher production cost per garment because that's how they can get factories to engage a higher cost per garment so that they can produce less. So these three components that I just discussed are generally a fixed and calculable cost. So that fixed cost is taken and historically would be marked up 2 to 2.2 times to account for a profit margin for the brand. So that price would indicate the actual cost of the item or what is called the wholesale price. So for example, if a shirt costs, let's say $50 to produce, and then we add that 2.2 times profit margin, the wholesale price would be, let's say between $100 and $110. So then we take that number, the wholesale price. From there, another 2 to 2.5 times would be added to create what is known as the retail price. This is the price that you're paying for the garment. This markup is to help whomever is selling the item profit from the sale and to cover their overhead expenses to be able to sell the item. So in this example, the final retail cost of our $50 to produce shirt would be between $225 and $250. Now, all of those calculations I just said is a way that it's been traditionally done in the past. That is until recently. So many of the big conglomerates are more arbitrarily inflating these profit margins, so this wholesale cost. And they're basing them on things like, let's say, brand reputation and positioning. So established and prestigious brands, often those in the luxury space, will command a higher price due to their reputation for being some sort of exclusive perceived value brand. So note that this is the word perceived. Certain bands brands really pad in profits to invest in higher dollar marketing, advertising, and of course, more shareholder profits. There's also, they'll do something like supply and demand. They'll create a limited edition item, exclusive collaborations, or something that's priced really high due to the scarcity or desirability. So enter some sort of exclusive like it bag you hear about that brands price super high to generate buzz and huge profits from this marketed exclusivity. So from my experience, from all the literature I've read, interviews I've listened to, panels I've attended, designers and brands I've spoken to, this new standard of arbitrary markups is mostly happening in this conglomerate-owned public brand space, those that have shareholders to answer to. Whereas on the other side, pretty much every independent brand I've spoken to, those designers or founders usually left some big world, either a fashion or some other big industry because they wanted to produce quality, ethical designs thoughtfully and without this inflated pricing that makes fashion really inaccessible to a lot of us these days. And finally, for me, shopping independent doesn't just mean purchasing clothes. It's really an opportunity to engage with a vibrant community of like-minded individuals who care about building and serving honestly and transparently a community of customers. Independent brands often collaborate with other artists and creatives and other brands and local organizations. Each independent designer I've connected with has a story. It's usually a story of bravery or something that caused them to take a huge, huge risk of going on their own and investing in themselves and in a more ethically aligned space. I find 
a lot of inspiration in connecting with brands that share a passion for staying true to their values and their ethos and to the people for whom they're creating. For me, it's easier to find independent brands that align with my values while producing beautiful, actual quality items that are accessible to me and how I choose to invest in my wardrobe. I get to learn their stories. I love learning stories, where their things are produced, who is producing them. When I invest in the purchase of an independent brand's product, I'm truly investing in fair wages, quality construction, and a human's talent and heart. So going back to Nyla and the other, I recently went to her pop-up and got to view the collection. We had a great time together, talking, laughing, and like really building a relationship. So when I signed up for her newsletter, which I hadn't done, I received the following email. Thank you for your interest and curiosity. Curiosity fuels my work as I explore belonging and identity through the lens of fashion and storytelling. Hope you find a connection in the stories to be shared. If you have questions regarding the products offered, please don't hesitate to reach out. I answer all the inquiries and would love to hear from you. Cheers, Nyla Hassan, creative founder of The Other. I got an email that was breaking through the, any boundary and offering herself accessible, the designer to answer questions. Like, that's really cool. When I was in Paris, I sat down with an independent handbag designer that I also love, Luca of 103053. And he talked about why he designed each of the bag the ways each of the bags the way he did. He pulled them out. He told me where the leather came from, the thought process behind his construction and design. And then we also talked about why he left the, a big name fashion brand to start his own endeavor. We had a conversation. It was real. It was human. I was a person, not a dollar sign, and vice versa. That's who I love to support in this space, people who care about their customers and communities as much as I care about mine. So my dear friend and colleague, Faith, she's been in the fashion game for a really long time, working for some of the biggest brands and also for a lot of small ones. So shopping independent brands is part of her ethos and shopping value system. As such, she's helped connect me to many of my favorite independent brands. So we call her the nose because among all the stuff out there, she really knows how to sniff out the good people that are creating all the good things. So in preparation for this episode, I asked her why shopping independent is part of her values. And she sent me a message. This is what she shared. And I'm reading it from Faith. She said, the first time I went to a mall was a soul crushing experience. I was 25 years old. I had been brought up in a city where we shopped at the Italian produce market, the German bakery, the Polish butcher, and the Jewish deli. My music was purchased after consulting with the record store owner. My clothing and shoes were purchased after consulting with the boutique sales staff. My family and I placed an emphasis on relation over transaction. We valued quality over quantity. We were working class people who appreciated its own members. We held independent businesses in esteem without realizing that they were soon to disappear. By carefully listening and observing over the years around the world, I learned how to evaluate whether a meal was truly tasty, whether a lyric was truly beautiful, and whether a fabric was truly pleasing to the touch. I was never much attracted to cookie cutter nor watered down versions of good style. My formative years provided a solid base for becoming the nose when it comes to discovering brands who have a strong point of view, who provide good value for price point, and who place an emphasis on client relationships over shareholder profits. 
Once luxury brands increased their prices by up to 30% during COVID, items that were once covetable became financially unattainable for me. Therefore, I now use my relationships developed while working in fashion along with my Instagram to discover and support as I had done with my family and around the world, independent brands and designers who reflect my ethos regarding quality and value and who place an emphasis on relation over transaction. These personal relationships with the designers themselves enable me to create a much more cohesive wardrobe and helps me to weed out all of the noise. So I love that her core values growing up have influenced her shopping values today. Thank you so much for sharing that, Faith. So what about you? Do you want to be more value-based when it comes to shopping? Now, I understand it may not be able to happen all the time. And listen, I don't make every purchase with my values in mind, especially when it comes to some of my basic and highly functional wardrobe necessities. However, I more and more do consider it and try to make it part of my everyday life. And I do think it's a good idea to start considering what values could be attached and trickle into your shopping considerations. So with that, I'm going to end on a where who you are challenge. Think about what your values are and how they could relate to your shopping habits. What does it look like for you to shop your values? Start by just writing anything that comes to mind. From there, narrow down the list and pick your top few priority values when it comes to your style and shopping. So for me, my most important three shopping values would include, first and foremost, reducing overconsumption by buying fewer quality items. Second would be supporting small businesses and independent brands. And third would be buying from brands that adhere to strict fair labor practices. Well, in a perfect world, you could check off all the boxes. That's not always realistic for everyone and everything you purchase. A mass collective progressive movement toward any value-based habit is much better than just a few people doing it all perfectly. So what are the top things that you care most about? What does it mean to wear what your values are? Thanks again for tuning in. See you next Wednesday. Thanks for joining another Where Who You Are Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Be sure to follow along for episode news, updates, and other bonus style insights on Instagram through my business account at BU Style. That's the letters B, U, and Style. Or my personal account at Natalie underscore Tincher. And don't forget to subscribe to Where Who You Are wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again and see you next time.